Good morning, good morning. Ooh, I like it when you guys are chatty. I like it. You're feeling talkative. You're gonna talk like that, right? You're gonna talk back? Good morning, good morning. Good morning. That's what I'm doing. I like it. Let's be chatty. Let's do it. Let's keep it going. Good morning. Morning. Amen. I think Gabby, are you okay? You just strain your voice, you sweet thing. Hey, welcome, welcome to Bright City. If we have not met, I am bummed I have not gotten to meet you personally yet. My name is Jess. I am an owner here at Bright City. I have been here since day one because I also had the unique privilege of being married to your pastor. And it is a gift and an honor. Um, A few things about me, I like coffee and long walks on the beach. And I am eager and expectant to tell you about my friend Jesus today. So um, let's start first and then I'll pray in a minute. Um, occasionally it will happen, it will, it will come to pass that I will come up here and I will tell you about a dream I've had. I'm a big, I'm a big dream girl, okay? I have a lot of dreams. Some of them are wacky, some of them are beautiful. Um, and it will come to pass occasionally from time to time that I will tell you about a dream and it will be deep and meaningful and, and what I would consider to be prophetic. And I'm about to tell you about a dream and I want to tell you from the front end that it is not prophetic. Um, it doesn't really mean a whole lot except for that I think maybe God wanted to give me a sermon illustration. Um, and so I'm going to tell you about a dream I have, but I want you to know that this is not indicative of anything happening in the actual world, okay? You're with me? because I'm about to tell you why. Before I tell you about the dream, I gotta tell you about something a little bit about my past, and I'm saying it very intentionally and specific, so stay with me. Here's what you need to know about me before I met Jesus. I met Jesus when I was 15. I was in a worship gathering. I was watching my mom and my sister worship, and I knew all about Jesus. I knew a lot about the scripture. I knew a lot about salvation, and I did not want to be a follower of Jesus, but I was watching them worship, and I was looking at their faces, and I thought, I want that. I want in. So I became a Jesus follower. And the next day, something wild happened in that I woke up and I had conviction. And I I could all of a sudden like really tell right from wrong. But what you need to know before me about about me before that day is that I did not have a sense of conviction. When I think about 14-year-old Jess, 13-year-old Jess, 11-year-old Jess, I was a little bit like a sociopath. Um, And I did not have a very like strong sense of right and wrong. I had a strong sense of what seemed right and wrong to other people, so I would try to like stay in those lines. But one of the most indicative things that helps me understand that God has changed my heart, he's given me a new heart, that he's given me a new life, is that before I met Jesus, I, I'm sorry, mom, I liked to steal. I liked to steal. Like I just didn't, I'm like, if you had something I wanted, if you were a human or if you were a store, I took it. And I'm not proud about this. I'm not proud in the slightest. But the the day I met Jesus, something shifted. I I promise you, I I have not stolen anything since the day I met Jesus. I don't think, at least not intentionally, unless I like accidentally didn't pay for the almond milk at Trader Joe's. But since the day I met Jesus, I've known like, oh, it's not good to take things from people. Don't take things from people. Like want good things from people. But before that, before I met Jesus, like if you had something I wanted, I took it. If I was at a friend's house and she had a brush, it was mine. Um, if I was in a store and the sweater looked cute and I didn't have enough money, like I was finding a way to get it home with me. Um, I think there's a statute of limitations on those things. So nobody please call Belks in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know what I'm saying? Cause like they can't take me in now. It's too late. It's been a long time. 
So here's what happened in the dream. A few weeks ago, I had a dream, not prophetic, I would like to say again. And in the dream, I was in anthropology, which happens to be my favorite store. And I was in anthropology. And the only thing that is real about this dream, that's real to real life, is that Nick and I are on a budget. And we're working through a new budgeting system. And I'm really, like, trying to give it my all. And I'm, I'm working hard, I would say. Like, I'm giving it my all at the budget. And um, we're doing the cash and envelopes and the whole thing. And so in my dream, I'm on a budget as well. But I'm in anthropology, which is my weak spot. I don't even go right now. Like, it's just not even a good idea for me to step foot in there right now on the budget. But in my dream, I'm walking around anthropology, and I'm just picking stuff up, like, to try it on, like, knowing, like, this is not a good idea because you are on a budget. But I'm picking stuff up and, like, putting it in my arms and draping it over my arms, and I'm walking around, and suddenly, in my dream, the power goes out in anthropology. And when the power goes out, I am standing right beside the door. And I know, like... You can just walk out right now. And I'm standing beside the door. I'm like, they won't even know. It's a big corporation. Like, it's okay. No, like, nobody's going to notice. No alarms are going to go off. No one's ever going to tell anybody. You can just step out. And in my dream, something came over me, and I was like, but God. God will know. Like, remember God. Don't steal the things. And so in my dream, suddenly the power came back on, and I was like, Phew. And I walked to the counter and I bought the things, which I remember then thinking like, this is a bad idea. Now you're going to get in trouble with your husband. Um, but I did in my dream, I bought the things I left and it was over. And here's why I'm telling you that. There's no deep, wild implication for that. I want to tell you because I want to be honest and vulnerable with you and set the tone to say like, it's okay to talk about things we're tempted to do. And if I'm being honest, like, I'm not necessarily still tempted to steal from people. God's changed my heart. I want good for them. I want to give, not take. But, like, I want stuff. And I specifically want stuff from anthropology. A lot of it. <laughs> um, and it's okay it's okay for us to talk about our temptations. And so in that vein, the reason why I'm telling you about mine is because today we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. And this whole last few weeks, we've been talking about seeing Jesus in 2020. We're diving into the book of Luke. We're looking at actual Jesus, our, our friend and our brother and our Savior who came to change the world and to change our world. And we're looking at him to, to find out what we can about him and to find out what we need to find out about ourselves from from his story. And so today we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. And actually next week, Nick is going to unpack um, another portion of the temptation of Jesus. So just settle in. And I want you to feel very comfortable accessing your temptations, because I've just told you one of my most vulnerable ones, which is like, I would rob anthropology maybe in a second if God wasn't here. So first, let's read this passage together from Luke. Jesus Full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. 
Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So next week, Nick's going to talk us, to us a lot about um, the different ways that we see Jesus being tempted and how those might apply to us. And he's also going to talk to us about how Jesus fought that temptation. But there's one major thing that I want you to catch today, and that is that Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted. And so we're going to answer just a few key questions that are going to be important for us as we move forward as people of God about temptation. And the first one I want to answer is this. Is being tempted a sin? Is being tempted a sin? I'm going to tell you, this is one of those like potentially tricky questions that if we polled all of you right now, I think, especially if we hadn't just read that scripture, we'd all answer in really different ways, right? Or some of us be like, I don't, I don't know. Is it? I don't, I'm not really sure. And so before I tell you my thoughts on it, I want to just read God's thoughts on it. So I'm going to share a few different verses with you. This one's from Matthew 6. This is when Jesus is teaching us to pray. And he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So something that we can catch from scripture right here is that Jesus says we need to be forgiven from our sins, but we need to be delivered from our temptations. Those are two really different words. We need to be forgiven for our sins. We could talk a whole sermon on forgiveness and repentance and what it means to say sorry to God and accept the grace that he's offered us by grace, through faith, through his son. But this is a different word. This isn't forgiveness. This is deliverance. Let's read another passage. This one's from James 1, and we're going to come back to this a few different times today. In James 1, he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So what we see in James is a really interesting progression from temptation to desire to sin, to death. This, this is an interesting progression. It's not very clear cut. We can't draw in black and white lines here. We know that we need to be forgiven from sin. We know that somewhere temptation leads to sin, but temptation itself is not sin. According to James 1, I've got one more verse for us to read here. This is Hebrews 4, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It says, Therefore, 
Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin." Here we read, Jesus was tempted, which we had already seen in Luke. Jesus was tempted and he did not sin. Therefore, it is possible to be tempted and not sin because Jesus did it. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you in the first um, five, ten minutes of this message, the one thing that I hope in the name of Jesus you take away from this time together. I think that a lot of us have a perspective, maybe even a picture of what we think God's stance toward us is. And I think when many of us are walking through temptation, we expect or we perceive or we picture God to be frustrated and mad and disappointed and angry. And yet, in just a few verses, what we can grasp is that number one, it it isn't strictly a sin to be tempted because Jesus was tempted and did not sin. And what's more, that Jesus has empathy for us. He he prays, even encourages us to pray that we would be delivered. There is some, there is some brokenness in our God toward us, for us, when we are tempted. This is not an angry God thing. This is not him with like crossed arms, disappointed that, that here we are struggling once again. This is an empathetic, merciful, loving, patient God, Father, friend, spirit, looking at us, feeling tenderness and wanting us to be delivered. Um, And so one thing I just want to summarize about temptation is that I think think one thing I've taken from this, this planning and reading is that to be tempted is to be human. And we know that Jesus being fully man and fully God allowed himself to experience what humans experience. He allowed himself to be tempted. And so I I just want you to capture that, that like, hey, in this room, if you're in here, if you're breathing, if you walked in here today and you're facing some temptations, no matter how dark or scary or horrific they are, no matter if you became tempted with those things because you chose it or because someone else chose it for you or you were born with those specific temptations, you are human and Jesus has empathy for that. He has empathy for that. There's two reasons why I think it's really wildly important that we talk about temptations. I don't know about y'all, but thinking about this, thinking about this message, I was like, man, we talk about temptation very little in the church. And I don't know if it's because like we all went way overboard, like, you know, earlier and everybody, we had like guys yelling at us about like, dog temptation, like run the devil. I don't know. Like maybe we're like just really trying to like turn hard another way. Like this is a really human, gentle thing to talk about. Like what are, what are you struggling with? What are you tempted by? I mean, some of y'all, when I told you that I'm tempted to steal everything from anthropology, 
you really shamed me, and that's okay. <laughs> here's, here's one reason why I think it's so wildly important that we talk about temptation. Because I think, I think a lot of us have been walking around with deep shame and condemnation for things that we feel tempted to do when we didn't actually even sin. And the thing is, when you feel shame and condemnation about the things you feel tempted to do, you don't feel super victorious. You don't feel like a child of God. Instead, you tend to make decisions that agree with shame. You tend to make moves that agree with the fact that you should be ashamed, that you should feel condemned, that you should be alone, that you should be off by yourself. You tend to hide the things that you feel ashamed of, and then that leads to more and more sin and more and more shame, and it becomes a spiral that none of us can fight on our own. And so I just think it's wildly important to get this biblical thing that's found in the Word of God on the table for all of us. Temptation is not a sin, and therefore there should be no shame or condemnation about it. We're human. To be human is to experience temptation. So did Jesus, and he didn't sin. It's what we do with the temptation that matters. It's what we do with the temptation that matters. Here's another reason why I think it's wildly important that we say real words about temptation and what we're tempted toward because I also think, just like I think we don't talk about temptation a ton, I think a lot of times in the church right now we're really terrified to talk about sin and I think scripture is really clear that says like, listen, let's be real, sin leads to death. You follow that temptation and it births desire in you and you, you follow the desire a little bit more and all of a sudden you're stuck in a sin and it's heavy and it's hard and it leads to death and you're entangled. And, you, and before you know it, you're struggling with addiction and cycles that can't be broken. And so I think it's okay to say real words about like, hey, the temptation that you feel, God has compassion toward you in that and he's making a plan but also, like, let's also say real words about where temptation leads. I don't know about y'all. Again, this, we could spend a ton of time here. I could tell you about um, the temptations for me that have led to, like, just genuine addiction um, and the pain that that's caused in my life and the cycles that that's born in my life. But I want to spend more time talking about the freedom we have from it. So we're going to jump into that instead. Here's one more thing I want us to catch, and this is the second question I really want us to talk about. If you can for a minute, before, before we even go on to that second question, if you can for a minute as I'm talking, if you can just picture maybe even how you thought God's stance was toward you before today about your temptation, if you can picture now what we're reading in Scripture um, even as we move on, I'm going to ask you to just do something wild, like literally even picture God in your head toward you. How is he toward you? How is his stance toward you? But we're going to keep moving on. You hold that in your heart. Hold it in your head. Um, here's the next quest question I want us to ask is what's the difference between temptation and test? Is this a temptation or a test? Again, prepping for the sermon, I was like, I don't hear people talk about being tested by God a lot anymore either. And we'll talk about that in a second. But let's go back to James 1, that verse we read. I want to read a part of it again right here in the middle. It says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. This is important. And this is wild. And this is, again, just wildly important. It's right there in scripture. I hear people all the same, like, God's just tempting me. You know, he's just putting out these choices in front of me. But here's what we need to know. Temptation is 
on the table to ensnare you and get you caught. And God does not want you caught. He wants you free. He sent his son. He paid the highest price that you might experience freedom, abundance, a land of more. Also, God doesn't want you living in a quiet, like walled off cell, not experiencing delight and pleasure. Rather, he has gifts and pleasure forevermore for you, good, beautiful things from the Father of lights. He wants abundance for you. He does not want to catch you and ensnare you and entangle you or cage you up. He wants you free. He, he paid the highest price that you might be free. So it's really important that we know that God doesn't tempt us. He's not trying to catch us. But... We see many times in scripture where he does test us or allowed us to be tested. So I want to talk about that. What does that mean? Why would God test us? We know that God tested Abraham. We know that God allowed Job to be tested. Even to some degree, the Spirit of God in Luke 1 led Jesus into the desert where he was going to be tempted. Don't make a mistake about it. God the Father knew that Jesus was going to be tempted and he allowed it to happen. God allows us to be tested, so why? Why? Well, this is where I have to pull different pieces of knowledge from God. There isn't necessarily a really clear verse in the Bible that says, God tests us for X, Y, and Z. Here's what we can know. But I have to pull other things from Scripture about what I know about God. Do, do I know God loves me? Yes. I know God loves me. Do I know God has a plan for me? Yes. Do I believe that God is omniscient and that he knows everything? I do. I believe God is omniscient and he knows everything. Do I believe that God is all-powerful? Yes, I do. So when I put those together, here's what I kind of see. Is I see some love in God's testing or allowing me to be tested. And as I've been praying about this, and I've been like, God, I mean, I, I probably asked Nick like 20 times, like, is there a better verse? Can you help me find a scripture that would just unpack this better? And um, sometimes there isn't, but God showed me this, um, this picture this week that I want to share with you guys. Some of y'all have heard that I'm, um, I'm a homeschool mom now, which is something we never saw coming, which might very well be a test that he has for me. And I'll let you know how I'm doing. Not great. Um, not awesome. <laughs> um, just kidding. We're getting there. Um, but in homeschool, our kids are in this cool, like, online public school program. And so um, it's, it's a really generous program. Like, it really helps them. And you can tell the teachers really just, like, they, they want them to know things and they want them to learn. And specifically, um, our kids are doing it because they've got some different challenges that we're trying to work with them on. And so there's just this, like, generous spirit around the whole thing. Like, I want good for them. Their teachers want good for them. Um, and so even when we test them, it's because we want good for them. So um, Glory, our daughter, a lot of times I will work with her when she's going to take a test. And the cool thing about this online public school program is when she takes a test, it's totally legal. She can have her books with her. She can have her notes with her. Like most of the tests, they're like, we're not trying to like catch you. Like we're, we want to know what you know and we want to help you learn this. So it'll be time to take a test and we'll have her notes and her books and I will be sitting right beside her like her straight up personal coach like you got this you got this you can do it let me rub your shoulders okay I'm gonna pace behind you all right we got this go slow it's not B it's not B I, I won't say anything I'm back here it's okay just like I'm proud of you God's mighty in you you're awesome I love you like just coaching her through it 
And even in this beautiful program, um, there was a few months in where she was still just struggling and struggling and struggling. Um, and so I had to really like get beside her and help her with the test. But what she'll do occasionally, and when she does, when, when we do that, when we go through the whole thing and I'm pacing and I'm chanting and like I'm praying and we've got worship music going and she's using her notes and she's thinking and she's going slow, she does amazing, like hundreds every single time. Um, but occasionally where we get really entangled is I'll, be, I'll get busy working or I'll be sending an email or I'll be go, doing something. Um, and she'll just walk in the room and be like, I took my test. And I'll be like, you did what? <laughs> she'll say, I, I mean, I just went in and took it. I'll say, what'd you get? She'll say like, a 20. Because <laughs> if she takes it without me right now, she, it's not always going to be like that. If she takes it without me right now, she rushes, she doesn't pay attention, she kind of makes agreements even with her mind about what she can do and what she's capable of. When she doesn't have someone reminding her, like, you've got this, you have the answers. And I was watching her do that this week, and I was like, oh, this is how God tests us. If God is all-powerful, if God is all-loving, if God is all-knowing, the test that he gives his kids are not to, for them to prove themselves. He knows who we are. He knows that we need him. He knows that we are found wanting, and he's given his son to give us what he needs. The tests that he gives his kids are not really so that he can be clear about what needs to happen. The tests that he gives his kids are for them. The tests that he gives us are for us, for us to be encouraged by God's strength in us for us to remember who we are, for us to experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. I'm gonna tell you for real, I went yesterday on a walk. Nick said, how was your walk? And I said, good, I honestly just walked through this sermon. <laughs> I was like, I walked through the sermon and I, I applied it to myself. I, I wanted to be able to answer the things I'm asking you guys to answer. So I was genuinely walking and I was praying and I was like, God, have I been tested? Like for real, like you and me, let's talk. And I don't know, like the lines are blurry. Like we don't know, we don't know what God's up to. We don't know his mind. It's, I, I think humans should be very careful to prescribe like this is what God's doing in this season. Um, but just as I was praying, I was like, maybe would you show me a time I've been tested? And immediately in my mind, I'm, I'm saying real words with y'all. Um, immediately in my mind, I thought about this week. And this week, Nick was out of town for one night. And I don't know about you ladies, but if my husband's out of town, here's what I want to do. Like ice cream reality TV, maybe a glass of wine. Like, I'm like definitely wearing my ugly pajamas. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not productive. I'm not trying to win any awards. Like, I'm not trying to do anything special. <laughs> Nobody's feeling me on this, but that's how it is, okay? When you guys leave, that's what we do. Um, so the, this particular Wednesday, Nick was out of town and I was like, oh, I am about to live it up. I'm gonna watch so much reality TV. It's not even funny. And I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat in our bed. I did eat in our bed. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> Um, I, I was clean, but, um, but it was about eight o'clock and the kids were about to go to bed. And I was like, I just have all this time and all this space. I can do whatever I want. And I, I like perceived the Holy Spirit saying like, work on your budget, work on your budget. And I was like, oh, you're confused. <laughs> See, my husband's out of town. <laughs> Like, I only work on the budget to really make him proud, and he's not even here. <laughs> so we're just, we're miscommunicating. And he was like, no, really. 
work on the budget. So I did. I, I pulled out my laptop and I turned off the reality TV and I just went to town. I was, I was going on our personal budget, on my business budget. And um, for me, this, that, there's like all this fear and shame related to budgets. I just don't even want to look at it. Like for a long time, genuinely for about six years, I didn't have a debit card. And it wasn't because Nick was trying to control me. It was like, I just don't want any money. Just don't, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to know about it. And so I felt like God was inviting me, like, just open your eyes and look and look at the budget and like work and be humble and, and, and come. And, and so yesterday as I was walking, he was like, that's an example of a test. It wasn't to prove whether or not you were worthy or good. It was for you to experience. I'm strong in you. We can do new things. We can grow. You don't have to hide. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to do the same things you always did. You can do new things. God does test his kids, but it's not so they can prove whether or not they're good or not. He knows you. He knows you. Before he made you, he knew you. He knew your temptations. He had compassion toward them. He does not need you to perform. You are his workmanship. He already did the performing. And when that didn't work because you were a fallible human living under the effects of a fallen world, he had a rescue plan in his son Jesus already at work and in place to save you. God does test his kids. Lastly, what do we do with our temptations? So what do we do? So what do we do with our temptations? Again, Nick's going to share some good wisdom next week, but I just have a few, a few little points I want to share. Number one, I think we got to get with God and be honest about what we're being tempted towards. As scary as it was for me to tell you guys, you know, that sometimes I'm tempted to steal everything in anthropology, um, I think sometimes it's even scarier to tell, just to tell God. Like, here's what I'm working with. Here's another thing. Here's a, here's a very real um, heavy thing to share. Um, if, if you're immediately like, you know what, I don't have any temptations. It may be that you're just, it may be that we are just saying yes so easily to sin. There's, there's not really any temptation. It may be like if you don't feel tempted to do anything, if you're like, I don't really feel that way. Like I feel pretty good about everything I'm doing. It may be that we're stuck in some patterns in some ways, and we may need the Holy Spirit to convict us so that we can see the ways we're being tempted, so that we can see, like, the paths we're just easily walking down to say yes to sin. Get with God and tell him, like, hey, here's, here's what the temptation is. Here's the great news. Again, I want you to picture Jesus toward you when you tell him these things. Do not believe what the enemy wants you to believe, which is that he's mad, that his arms are crossed, that he's frustrated, that he's upset, that he's shocked. FYI, he's not. He's seen it all. Like he made you, and before he made you, he knew the stuff you were going to face. He knows the inmost secrets of the, your heart, the stuff you would not tell another human if your life depended on it. And he still loves you. What's more, he has compassion toward you. He wants to deliver you from temptation. He is like, please, for the love of me, let me help you. Let me help. Let me help. Let me in. Tell God what you're working with. Get with God and tell him your temptation. Here's the next thing. Um, in the way of the bright, we learned about power and vulnerability. 
And we learned that by grace through faith, we have access to both. We have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, but we also get to follow Jesus in the way of vulnerability. And so I wanna ask you and, and entreat you and, and implore with you this week that you would not only talk to God about what you're tempted to, but that you would follow Jesus who allowed us to have access to the knowledge of what he was tempted by and let other people have knowledge about what you're tempted by. So how, who, what in the world? What did she just say? Are we all about to get up here and pass a mic? Nope. Nopers, big nopes. Um, do you need to go tell like the world? Should you put on Instagram? I'm going to go with a no. A heck no, maybe. Um, how do you know who to share your vulnerability with? How do you know who to share your temptations with? I would say look for safe people. And here's how I would define a safe person in this area. A safe person is someone who will not shame you regarding what you're tempted by. Um, I will never forget, I didn't plan on telling the story, I will never forget my freshman year in college, um, I had just this sweet, sweet, sweet roommate, um, and we were just such different believers, like we were such different Christians. I was like the bad girl who had found Jesus and like, you know, wanted to be in ministry, and she literally, I remember our first um, month of college, I had to explain to her that just because you went to a church, it didn't mean you were a Christian. Like, she did not know that. She was, she lived a really sweet life. Her dad was actually like heavily addicted to smoking, and she didn't know and I was wondering how to tell her I was like bro your dad is smoking all the time like all day long like I know I wanted to bum a cigarette from him trust me like um like she was just super sweet and naive and I'll never forget like maybe the first few weeks of college we were sitting there and I started telling her my story and she just started weeping it was too much she was like oh gosh why'd you say that don't say that I was like oh I'm so sorry it's just my life and she was like never tell me that again that's horrible oh my gosh I was like okay you are not safe um, when I am feeling tempted, you're not the girl I'm going to tell. Just FYI. So when she would ask me how I was doing, I was like, great, reading my Bible every day. Don't worry about me. We're good. Everything's fine. Um, a safe person is not going to shame you when you tell them how you're tempted. They're not going to disqualify you or say like, oh, goodness gracious. But I would say a safe person is also going to hold the heaviness of what temptation that leads to desire, that leads to sin, that leads to death. That, that person's going to say also real words about like, hey, but we know where this heads. They're going to say real words about sin too and real words about freedom. And, and maybe they might not know all the words. This is the great thing about being in the family of God, that there's no waiting period um, from being, becoming a believer to being an ambassador. Maybe they don't even know. Maybe they don't know the right Bible words to say, or they don't know the right verses, but they, they might just be safe enough to say, like, I hear that. Thank you for telling me. Um, it kind of scares me. I'm going to pray for you. God loves you. I'll tell you this right now. Every single one of our family group leaders is a safe person. So if you want to go to a family group, maybe you can't even say it to the whole group, but maybe you just get with a family group leader and say like, hey, I'm struggling. And they would love to pray with you. They would love to be on your team. So follow Jesus in vulnerability. Um, the third thing is, I would say, make small decisions of faithfulness. So many of us, when we... Um, finally maybe access our temptations or when we get them out on the table or when we bring them into the light, we think that the power and the responsibility and the um, ownership is on us to just change our whole lives and be totally different people. But I don't know about y'all, but I find that people change in really small, private, obedient, small steps. 
Um, and so just as maybe if you're thinking right now about things that you might feel tempted to do, I would, I would say you're probably, all of us kind of go to like a big life change that we could make that would make us not feel tempted anymore. And I would say like maybe stop thinking about the big, huge step and think about the small steps of faithfulness. Is it deleting the app? Is it calling the friend? Is it paying the bill? Is it picking up your Bible? Is it saying no? Is it saying yes? Is it shutting the laptop? Is it getting out of your house? Is it taking a walk? Is it taking a shower? Is it sitting still for a minute? New life and life change is made up of a lot of really small, faithful steps. And how do we make ourselves able to do that? I think lastly, what we do is that we say real words about victory. We say real words about victory. We've said a lot of words about temptation and we've said a lot of words about sin and we've said some real words about death today. But I wanna make sure in the name of Jesus that we as the people of God access the victory of God and the power of God. And that when we talk about sin and when we talk about temptation, we also say very honest things about the power and the victory that we have access to. Let's read from 1 Corinthians. Here's what it says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I can't change these words. I can't shift them any way around. That's what the word of God says. It says, if you are faced with the temptation, he will give you the way out. You may take the wrong way a million times. You may stumble and fall 10 million times. You may not take the way out and think that you'll never take the way out. But by the power of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that if we believe in him lives in us, we have victory over sin and over the death that ensnares us. We can say no. We can say yes. We can do a new thing. We can say real words about the power of God that lives inside of us. We are going to face temptation until we're not alive anymore. So it's going to keep coming. The great thing is you're going to get new temptations. You're going to fight that one and experience victory and have a new story and a new one's going to come. And then you're going to experience victory there. And you might fall 15 times or 2 million times, but at some point you're going to experience the thrill of obedience when you say yes or you say no or you go the extra mile or you stay still or whatever it looks like for you to faithfully agree that you are a child of God and that you are not a slave to sin any longer. Jesus is not mad at you when you are tempted. I have, I have so much compassion for you guys. If I, as a human, I mean, I, just, I think about like, I think about those of you who are genuinely battling addiction right now because statistically, some of us are. Whether it's lust or body image stuff or money 
or greed or jealousy or laziness. If I have compassion for you and I just so badly want to get up next to you and like lean close to you and say like, he's not mad at you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to help you. He's going to make a way for you. If I, who am, who am sinful and can only love so much, have that much compassion, I cannot imagine what, what the Spirit of God is like toward you right now, what the Father is like toward us right now. I think about when you first faced that temptation for the first time, whether you were eight or 18 or whether it was eight days ago, And as dark as it might have been right then, he was there. And he had compassion. And he was broken. And he had hope. And he still does. And I think about, man, how powerful he is that eight days from now or eight years from now, or eight generations from now, us or somebody we love is going to experience a new temptation. I think about my kids. Man, I just, I lived so much of my parenting life, like so fearful about what they'd encounter. And it encouraged me, encourages me so much to know, like, God has got future them. He has compassion for future them. He has compassion for future me for past and present and future. He has empathy and compassion and a way out. And not just does he care and not just is he tender and not just is he full of truth and, and real words to say like, hey, the temptation can lead to desire and the desire can give birth to sin and sin always leads to death, but he's given us victory in the power of the Holy Spirit that we have access to if we walk with God. So today, I don't know, I don't know what this looks like for you. I, I, think, I think some of us may need to say yes to God so that we can perceive that compassion and grace maybe for the first time. I don't, maybe you're like my roommate in college and you thought that if you were just in here, it was like an automatic thing. And the best news I can tell you is that that's like, this is not it. Church is great, but God is really good. Church is wonderful and worship is fun, but the grace of God changes our lives and our eternities. And this is not it. So maybe for the first time ever, you need to say yes to God. You need to say like, I want that. I want the grace. I need the compassion. I need the help. I need the victory because I can't do this anymore. Maybe some of you need to say like, you know what? I, I have not even felt temptation because I've just been saying yes to sin over and over and over again. I've been saying yes to greed. I've been saying yes to lust. I've been saying yes to laziness. I've been saying yes to anger. I've been saying yes to frustration. I've been saying yes to selfishness. I don't even need to be tempted anymore because I'm just saying yes. And maybe some of us need to say like, Holy Spirit, be gentle and complete and convict our hearts. 
Maybe some of us need to bring that temptation into the light. Maybe with someone who can pray with you. Again, I'd like to say everybody who's in the back who wants to pray with you, these are safe people. These are safe people who are not gonna shame you and who are gonna say real words about the power of God. They would love to pray with you. They're not gonna like gossip around or tell somebody what you told them. It's safe. It's sacred what happens back there. So maybe some of us just need to bring those temptations into the light and say, I've been feeling shame about this and I didn't realize that this wasn't actually a sin. The temptation wasn't the sin. Maybe some of us just need to worship and pray on behalf of others. Maybe we need to intercede for the people that we know to to pray and believe victory and healing and hope and light for them because maybe they can't do it for themselves. And we get to do that. We get to worship in that way too. So I'm gonna pray. Father, help us to see you. Help us to see Jesus. Help us to see the look on his face. We, we need like supernatural help to write new pictures in our minds of what he looks like toward us. Would you help us to see him with compassion? Would you help us to see him loving us, moving toward us? Would you help us to see his victory, to believe maybe for the first time that he can help that he's got a way out for us. Would you help us to see Jesus? Would you help us to respond? Amen. Amen. Man, (laughs) that was so good. I don't even really know how to follow it up, but um, I think what I kept thinking about and what I appreciate so much about how Jess shared that with us is that she kept coming back to the truth of who God is and what that means for us. And I just think how, how that can just change everything, how we can, how it can change, like how we look at our temptations and our tests if we're a little bit skewed. And I know what came to my mind when I was thinking about that is how, I don't really know who said it to me when I was growing up, but someone said to me, I think when I was really little and I was probably just being tempted to fight with my brother, like God knows, he knows, he sees it all. Like mom might not see it, but God sees it. And it planted a lot of fear in me about, you know, what I'm doing was wrong, he's up there. And I just think there is so much freedom when we take a step back and we look at the tests, the temptations, everything in our lives through the true character of God and what that says about us. And um, so I don't know, maybe just hold that during response time and maybe just keep that in the forefront of your mind if you've never thought about this or if you're someone who is is feeling the weight of temptation all day, every day. Um, we're going to move into a time of response here. My name is Kristen, and I'm an owner here, and this is my favorite time of the service. Um, this is the time where we get to talk to others, we get to talk to God, we get to worship Him and praise Him for who He is, and we get to take communion and remember um, what He has done for us, what He has sacrificed. So those are our four ways. Communion is in the back, um, and we 
we see so much value in, in saying thank you to God, to Jesus, for what he has done for us and for remembering. There's a group of people in, in the back with lanyards, and they would love to pray with you. Um, like Jess said, they are safe people. If you've met them before, if you've never met them before, um, giving, if this, is, if this is your church here, if you call Bright City your home, you can give on Venmo, online. There's a bucket in the back, back there. Um, and then worship. Um, let's just thank God for who he is. Thank him for what he's done for us, for what he says about us, whether you believe it or not. I just believe that there is so much power in worshiping him based on the truth and based on grace. So uh, respond as you desire.